0: Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today.
1: Hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Women Lead Radio, brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Michelle Berquist, your host today of Women Leading the Way, and boy, do I have a woman leading the way today. I think uh, this is going to be a really show treat, so I'm delighted to introduce today our conversation and discussion and interview is, is on difficult conversations in the workplace. Now, I don't know about any of you, but I think this happens quite a bit, and we've got an expert expert, expert that's with us this morning. I'm delighted to introduce our leading lady. Her name is Lori Reichel Howe. She is the founder of Conversations in the Workplace, and I'm excited about our topic to talk about difficult conversations in the workplace. So, Lori, welcome, and say hello to all of our listeners.
2: Well, thank you, Michelle. I am delighted to have just an amazing conversation with you, particularly on one of my favorite topics be it how to make <laughs> difficult conversations into safe conversations. So I am. See,
1: joking. I got I to gotta share with you this morning. I'm laughing because I'm going, gosh, I'm going to have a conversation on the radio with Lori, but I'm wondering, is it going to be a difficult conversation? But I'm thinking not, but that was in my head this morning. So I hope you find that humorous because I was, I love what you do. I, I do find, isn't it, that success, or the lack of it, I find nine times out of ten is always in communication, you know, good or, or or not so good. And I am excited to hear what you have to talk about and with your niche. So, I mean, I think the first thing I, I just love to have you talk about is just give us a little bit of an overview of, you know, briefly what you do, you know, in helping people with those difficult conversations in the workplace. Share with us a little bit about you.
2: Okay. Well, and you've already mentioned that I am founder of Conversations in the Workplace. And in a nutshell, what I help people do is to transform difficult conversations into safe conversations. Um, If you were to ask me, hey, what's my elevator pitch? I would tell you that I equip managers, teams, business professionals how to have safe conversations. And by that, I mean transformative dialogue that uncovers hidden workplace issues, uh, issues such as challenging team dynamics, mismanaged expectations, even cultural sensitivity, um, good old-fashioned bad behavior. And when people engage in these conversations, they elevate their leadership to the next level, and they also have a better performance, more inclusion and collaboration within their team, department, and organization. So that's what I
1: think. Yeah, no, I don't think in our times, you know, do you agree, Lori, or maybe not, you know, I'm just curious, with everything that's gone on last year, right, with the lockdowns and the social unrest and just the polarizing part of the you know, elections last year. I mean, I don't think we could have added more. And then we had, you know, kind of torrential hurricanes and, you know, tornadoes on top of it last year. But what a year. And then I'm really curious. It's like, did you find that, the uptick and difficult conversations went up last year because of all, you know, I don't want to say crazy and be disrespectful, but just with everything that went on, was it more difficult with conversations in the workplace last year, or what's your kind of opinion on that with everybody being furloughed and online and virtual and, you know, we're all kind of losing our minds?
2: Well, we, we had all kinds of challenges. We had an epidemic, and we had... Crisis, but we also had and have um, sometimes, I think probably the closest thing to a civil war, um, and in our world, communication has stopped and contention. We've gone from dialogue to contempt, and we have not gained the ability to dialogue and in a way that is respectful and respectful of differences and at the core of democracy is the ability for people to voice differing opinions and whenever that happens there's going to be a conflict but when we can navigate through that get to the root of concerns that's where we really start to solve problems unfortunately we've not we've lost really the ability to communicate through those difficulties. Instead, we take sides, we attack. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll find the three core problems um, within the workplace, breakdown of relationships, when we experience conflict, be it differences of opinion, be it emotions are high, when we think our values are at risk or at and even our egos identities we do one of three things absolutes and i'm right you're wrong or we blame Mm -hmm. um, it's all your fault or three character attack and i list those in abc order so people will um remember those and so instead of Talking about the issue, we start to attack the person, attack their position, attack their intelligence, and it's become, um, we've seen it in politics, we've seen it on TV, we've, it's just become rampant, and I'm afraid yeah. it's become the norm.
1: It is interesting. You're right, because people, you can't converse anymore. And, I mean, we could have that as another whole show. So let me just say in front of everyone and our Mm -hmm. listeners, like, we want to have you back. I think this is such a huge topic because, you know, across the board, you know, and Connected Women of Influence or just even with women that I interact with every day, Lori, and I'm sure you do too. You know, and again, this shows for for women in the you know in professional professional roles and how we can advance and thrive and flourish in business and. You know, I'll hear from women all the time that will say, like, well, I, I'm i not I'm not going to confront or I'm not, I mean, to me that says I'm not going to do anything about it, right? But when there's friction or when you, let's just go with the idea that somebody decides not to confront, those are their words. It's like, what would you recommend? Because I, I do find a lot of women feel if I just don't deal with it, it's going to go away or I'm not going to. To me, that says not deal with it. So what's your take on that? Because I feel like women know we need to learn how to do this a lot better, just as women Mm -hmm. in business.
2: Right. And I would call it avoiding not having those conversations. (laughs) And usually two key mistakes we make are, one, avoiding having a difficult conversation. And we do this because we're experiencing conflict, we're afraid that if we say something it might make matters worse and so we pull away from conflict, we pull away from these difficult conversations <laughs> like we would a fatal disease <laughs> taking a, a bad. <laughs> but we falsely we we think we're going we think avoidance is comfort, but reality is relationships down um, workplace situations get worse, escalate patterns unaddressed tend to only um, increase and and become norms and become the expectation and then, as a result, we stagnate, increase frustration, we miss those opportunities and I, and particularly for women. The day we become silent, we give up our power, and we begin, we give up our power to influence. So by avoiding, right. we don't get to solutions. The other error we make is we hold those conversations, and we hold those poorly, and that's because we don't have the skills. And I have women tell me, Lori, I just don't have the courage. And my response to them is, When you develop the skills, you will develop the courage, and it's through the confidence. You start where you are. You start to learn to speak up. And you do it in a way, though, that it's safe, that you're getting engagement, you're getting to the root of problems. And when people have a framework for doing that, opening a conversation, getting to the root of things, Asking people their perspectives. When they know how to acknowledge differing concerns instead of attack, then people can I mean, respect is listening and acknowledging another, another person. And I have to say that particularly for women, there's a double-edged sword. Their gender bias exists. I'm not even going to give research. It's all over the place. And women are easily, (laughs) falsely, those stereotypes, they're expected to be nurturing and caring. And if they come across in a way that someone calls, uh, interprets it as aggressive or forceful, then uh, they're interpreted as someone who attacks, a bulldozer. On the other hand, they could be, they're, believed to be emotional, and that's considered unprofessional. So on top of just the difficulty of conflict stepping up to those conversations, women have additional challenges that they have to overcome. And they, to be successful, it's learning how to have those conversations, make difficult conversations into safe, but they're also having to speak in a way that you navigate and minimize the stereotypes and cultural gender biases that are out there.
1: I love that. You know, here's one thing I, I think our listeners would love, just because I know you, I mean, I've been in, I've been in scenarios with you, and you are, I mean, you were just wonderful with your words and the questions you ask, and I've heard a few, maybe not as difficult as you experience in working with, you know, your clients and your, and companies and individuals, but can you share, um, I mean, something that comes top of mind, of course, names, you know, will be hidden to protect the innocent, but can you share, you know, a, just maybe one of the examples of a woman and what the difficult conversation was and, you know, what you advised her and what the outcome was? I'd really, I'd be really interested, and I think our listeners would, to kind of hear how, do you, how you worked somebody through a difficult conversation. Can you share one?
2: Oh, oh, sure. um, well, I think particularly for women, it is as I've mentioned they are they feel that their ideas are dismissed um and they've even said that someone will take a credit, they will suggest an idea, and then when a male at the table you know, ten minutes later suggests the same idea. It's recognized and accepted. So what...
1: Happens all the time. Absolutely. Yep.
2: So I've given them... um, What I typically do is I will give them... um, I will tell them to say, consider trying to use humor. You want to not come across, you're a thief. Stop stealing my idea. And calling everyone sexist, well, it might be true. It's not going to be effective. And so making people aware of it, you might say, wow, what a great idea. Um, Help me. Sounds similar to the idea I suggested 10 minutes ago. And um, if that's the case, I really want first rights. So addressing it, making it aware and doing it in a way that people go oops. (laughs) so how you finesse it and yet get credit for it is that is that is just one way now that's when it's a matter of credit when you feel that you've said something you've been forceful, you've you felt you've been assertive, but quite often women are considered aggressive. Men, well, they're considered assertive. And women, people will get this stereotype of, oh, they are angry, they are out of control, they give them these personality and internal qualities, versus if it's a male, it's common that they'll be told, well, they are having a Bad day, they have a lot on their plate, and somebody needed to step up and take control. So you just see that um, discrepancy. So for, for women, it's...
1: No, I love that.
2: Well, it's, what's important is how they frame what they say. Before you say something forceful or passionate, tell what. Um, prepare people i am going to say something that i believe very strongly about and here it is and so when you set them up for it you prevent blindsiding them and you prevent them from falsely interpreting it you might even say i'm going to come across Passionately, that's because what I want to say I believe is very tied in with our values and that we as a team value sharing what we believe and integrity and honesty are values. So here here it goes. So you're setting it up. You can then be passionate, and they see it then as values versus emotions.
1: Can I say that's probably one of the best tips I've heard, because honestly, it's like, I think every woman repels when they hear, I mean, man or woman say, gosh, you're really emotional about this. It's like, really? No, I'm being passionate, I'm being emphatic, and I'm making a clear point, right? doesn't mean I'm emotional about it. So I love that. We just have to take a quick break, Lori, because we've got a sponsor that we need to say thank you to. and. I love this because when we come back, I do want to talk a a lot more about the work you're doing, how you got into this line of work, and, you know, it is, it's about changing companies. I mean, when your conversation style, you know, changes, and again, it is for women to try to take the emotion out of it. So hang tight, and I'm going to thank a, a sponsor here real quick, so hold on. Uh, Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, National University. National University is proud to be San Diego's largest private nonprofit university founded in 1971. The National University mission is to provide accessible, achievable higher education to adult learners. Today, National University educates students from across the U.S. and around the globe with over 170,000 alumni worldwide. Thank you for your support, National University, and to all of our sponsors and our partners. And now, Lori, I'm back to you. So I want to kind of like come back in because we are talking about difficult conversations in the workplace. And I'm really curious to know, it's like what, you know, how, how, did, how do you even work with companies? Because I think one of the biggest challenges is always like I said at the beginning, communication and the people, the people, you know, relationship part of things in companies. Like many times, it's not the technical side, which is, that is a big deal too. But it's it's how people relate in the work in the workforce. How did you how did you get into working with companies um, along with individuals and this topic?
2: Well, good question, and <laughs> let me to nutshell it, um, I will just go back to I was always interested in, you know, training and development. My That was my background in education. And I realized that a conflict at the core of breakdowns in relationships in the workplace, a matter of fact, I think I've heard um, – 80% of the problems in organizations comes down to strained working relationships. And that was always a area of interest for me. And I, from the training and development, I began to create my own content that was specifically around how to step up at those conflict-filled moments. I... Pursued um becoming a mediator, so I did mediation in Santa Clara Superior Court, both in um, civil harassment and small claims and in doing that, I realized and I think about seventy to eighty percent of the times when I worked with people as a mediator, they were able to reach their own agreements, and that was huge, so if they worked with me then wow. They didn't go to the judge to get a court-appointed judgment. They created their own. But what I realized is that with my help and helping people follow, I would communicate with them, mediate, we'd reach the agreements, and they left with an agreement that they were bought into, but what they didn't have were the skills on their own. And so then I moved into becoming a – communication coach, and uh, that's where I started to then just focus training on the skills that people need to be able to kind of mediate, work through, and resolve those difficulties. So that was really what... No, I'm really...
1: Yeah. Right. right. I want to go in on something that you were saying about, and that is, like, you know, I would imagine a lot of companies, and tell me maybe for our listeners, it's like, what's your approach? You know, because I would think that, I mean, for organizations or businesses, it's like, we know we have a problem, but then maybe can't pinpoint what it is. How do you, is that part of what you do too, is identify where the issue is? Or do most companies know what the problems are when they bring you in?
2: Well, good question. <laughs> well, in all cases, in all cases, you know, the answers are in the room. But what we have to do is make it safe to talk about the problem and to do it in a way without creating defensiveness. And so what I do, I come in and I give people a framework, what I call my safe conversation communication framework, how we open up the conversation, how we identify the positive wants we have for everybody there. We're talking because we want to recognize this problem, give people a voice. Just by opening up a conversation with positive wants, my gosh, it's like um, 94% chance of getting a positive outcome. So opening up with that, I give that framework, identifying, next would be identifying the actions, the behaviors, what's what we see as the problem, and then right. the impact. So quite often, problems are not solved because they're not truly identified, and it's quite often not safe to talk about them. So when we can get everyone on board talking about it, and quite often, you know, the technical problems or the core of the problem isn't so much an issue, it's the way people are relating or not relating. And see, when people feel that they are disrespected and devalued, well, the entire Issue moves from the issue and the problem to defending dignity. And then we have our identities at stake and we become defensive, we build barriers. And so how do we make sure, I even give people a strategy when conversations start breaking down, there are things that we can do, acknowledge concerns, go back to repeating what the positive wants we have. Contrast. Acknowledge their perspective while also yours and the differences. And even um, when blame erupts, saying, you know what I think is important is, let's describe the problem without attacking people. Rarely is any one person the, the sole owner of the problem. It's usually being contributed by many. Let's all be open to exploring our own contribution. True leaders do that. And so right. giving people a framework, it's not, you don't learn, you don't learn to communicate with a manual. And if in your class and in your training, if people aren't given a framework and if they aren't, I actually put them in situations where they will write out what their dialogue would be. And as you hear people, you start to get ideas. You build your own vocabulary. So you need the skills, which I believe is developed through that structure that I give. You need to develop the language. It's Mm -hmm. theirs. People say, well, Lori, I don't know how to say it like you. You don't have to. You will develop your own language, and then you need to do it through practice. And understand that there are going to be bumps in the road, be prepared <laughs> at times. Right, so I'm sure. Know how to exit, know how to even say, you know what, my intention was that we would possibly identify problem, work on it, give solutions. It looks like that's not happening. So I'm going to back away from this, and um, I'm going to give us, time to reflect on our conversation before moving forward. Sometimes people just need time. They felt blindsided. Sometimes people need to hear from more than one person or they need to hear more than one time. So let them step away.
1: (laughs) I love your I love your slices of advice. We've got a few minutes left. i got a couple last questions for you, but I do want to just say, I mean, this is such a big subject, you know, and I I know our listeners, if they want to reach you, how do you want them to get in touch with you? I know we're going to have a link to your website that's on our show page for anyone that listens, but how do you want to be contacted, my dear?
2: Go to my website, which is www.conversationsintheworkplace dot com or .org. I bought both of them. And on my website you will see all information all kinds of information about me. You'll see my published articles. And under that homepage picture is a let's talk button. If you click on that, you can schedule um, anyone listening can schedule a 30-minute complimentary consultation with me. And that's, very so cool. that's a great way. My email is Lori L-O-R-I-E, at conversationsintheworkplace.com. So great way awesome. to
1: do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you with this last big question. Are you ready? Because it's like, honestly, I'm really curious, like, with the, uh, the sheer number of people you've worked with and the companies and all that, and we've got a lot of listeners you know, that are probably saying, oh, I have a ton of, you know, examples of difficult conversations I have in the workplace. No one is immune to this, right? And I think if we recognize it, it's more of just, you know, how can we get along better in the workplace? But what, you know, if you had to to kind of get it to the very top, what would be the top two slices of advice you would give to our listeners about handling difficult conversations in the workplace or, How can they get along better together in the workplace as businesswomen? Top two. No pressure here.
2: Well, foundational, establish, develop a framework because when you get into those conversations, you need to know how to pivot in a way that keeps you in conversations. And Recognize, so number one, get that framework. That will be your backbone. That will be your structure. That will be your fallback. And then also, I think, realize that any time somebody if, if – any time someone tells me, you, or someone else that what they did was bad, wrong, dumb, or stupid – They are going to feel defensive, and they are going to put up walls. So what is critical is making it safe to talk, checking your motivation at the beginning, and thinking about what you want for this person for their success and how you want this conversation to increase their success and your relationship with them open with that. People quite often don't won't even listen to your content until they know your intent. So I can give people skills. I love that. You need
1: skills No, it's great.
2: You need both. Skills and a heart. I can give skills.
1: Skills and a heart. I think that's how we're going to wrap up the show is we're going to end on that. And I hope you will take my uh, my invite to come back again because I would love to have some more examples of how people, you know, just those scenarios, you know, how to navigate, you know, some of those conversations because there's so many different examples of that. So, Lori, I'm going to say thank you to you for being our leading lady today. You're amazing and to all of our listeners, make sure to go check out Lori's website and what a gift, a 30-minute conversation with her, right? Might be a difficult one, but she's going to walk you through it and hear about yours. You can go to conversationsintheworkplace.com to reach Lori's website and submit for a 30-minute conversation. To all of our listeners, thank you so much for being so dedicated. We love that we're on now after our show. Our podcast will be on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. It's crazy. We just love your loyalty because we're here every single Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific time, and we're here Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific time, so you have many opportunities to listen. We'll be back for another Women Lead Radio show on Friday, and to that I say, be safe, be great, and have as Lori would say, have a difficult conversation. So we'll see you on the next show.
0: Thank you. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where life-focused business-to-business executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.